Chapter 6. Time to lead. More focus on practice, less focus on theory. I grew up as the sister of a national swimming champion. Kimmy, my sister, swam at the South African Nationals under 18 at the age of 12, and for me, six years her junior, this translated into hours and hours and hours of my formative years being spent next to a swimming pool. Swimming is no spectator sport, but in between amusing myself with my colouring books and listening to my favourite Springbok radio shows thanks to my portable radio, I couldn't help but take note of the coaching process. Swimming is quite technical, and I was fascinated by how small adjustments of the arms, legs and body could make such a difference to the result. Armed with my little bit of knowledge and quite the precocious brat, I took to running alongside the pool, yelling the appropriate coaching tips I'd learnt. To their credit, Kimmy and her long-suffering teammates acknowledged my six-year-old contribution and rewarded me with my own miniature customised team shirt emblazoned with the word coach. A proud moment indeed. So, did I turn out to be a fabulous swimmer following in my sister's glorious footsteps? Well, not quite. I can't so much as swim from one end of a pool to the other, and I'm talking widths rather than lengths. A more appropriate description of what I do in water is not drown rather than actually swim. All that theoretical knowledge of swimming just never translated into practice for me. Devoid of grace and any sense of buoyancy, perpetually afraid of ever putting my head underwater and completely mystified by the breathing requirements, blow out underwater and breathe in above the water, sounds logical, for me, impossible. It's not pretty. It strikes me that the way we do leadership in many instances is eerily similar to my swimming experience. There are so many books, so many programs, so many theories, so many inspirational stories about how Jack Welsh did it and how Steve Jobs did it and how, insert big name here, goes about it. We know so much and there's nothing wrong with that. But in many cases, that theoretical knowledge hasn't made it out of our heads to our hearts, our ears, our mouths or our hands. In other words, to where it actually makes a difference. Captivated by theory, we continue to run alongside the pool, shouting all the good stuff rather than actually jumping in and, yes, starting to swim. On what do I base the scathing criticism? Hard evidence on both the input and output sides of the leadership equation. First, Let's examine the outputs or results that the effective practice of leadership should deliver. Engaged, connected, intrinsically motivated, inspired employees, realizing their full potential, going the extra mile, all of which should result in above average performance, sustainably and without the crutch of extrinsic rewards like bonuses. The reality Engagement levels around the world are at an all-time low. Employees are switched off, devoid of purpose. To all intents and purposes, zombies serving a life sentence.
The tragedy, over and above the downward spiral of profitability, productivity, and disappointing return on investment, is the human one. The fact that most of us go to our graves with our music still inside us, as Oliver Wendell Holmes puts it. And as for the input side, how are leaders doing when it comes to the practice of leadership? Yes, leadership should be a deliberate practice with a structured plan and routine. Like a lifestyle exercise fitness plan, it may be theory-based, but it's only by executing a plan consciously and deliberately that results follow. And yet, very few leaders have a leadership routine, let alone see it as an integral part of their job. CEO diaries are so jam-packed with existing obligations, board meetings, quarterly results, strategy sessions, operational reviews, to name a few, that there's precious little time for more. Of course, many of those existing obligations could be great opportunities for the leadership plan, but in its absence, these become merely missed opportunities rushing by in a blur of box ticking. During my Harmony days, I spent time working with my fellow executives in order to help each one develop his and her individual leadership routines. This took the form of intensive one-on-one sessions in which we covered the specific individual's strengths as a leader, his or her specific target audience and message framework, and finally, a set of agreed activities which culminated in a plan which was deconstructed into daily diary entries. The most challenging part? Yep, the plan. Or, more specifically, the time required to execute the plan. I saw firsthand how even at the most senior levels, we allow our diaries to manage us. To practice leadership successfully, we have to make time to lead. Which means, for some of us, that we need to think about time a little bit differently. It means that we have to acknowledge that time is our scarcest resource. We can always make more money. We can never make more time. Time has strategic value. We manage money to create monetary wealth. In the same way, we need to manage time to create purpose, passion, legacy wealth. A leadership plan or routine doesn't necessarily take up a lot of additional time, but it does require prioritization and the subsequent diary pressure is a good thing. It means that the precious commodity of time has been thoughtfully managed to a point of optimum value creation. Our diaries should be like jars that we fill up firstly with the large stones, the important things like the activities that constitute our leadership plan, and then only allow the smaller, more insignificant stones and gravel to fit in around them. The way we prioritize, plan and manage time determines to what extent we're able to make our dreams come true. However, as important as time management is, it still all starts with our dream. When I was 10, my dream was to win Wimbledon. This never did come to pass, alas. But because of my dream, I learned how to manage my scarcest resource, time. Inspired and energized by my mental picture of playing the match of my life on center court and parading around shortly after silverware aloft, 
I put together my daily training plan and routine, including bitterly cold 5am practice sessions that I stuck to, come hell or high water. In the same way as my Wimbledon dream galvanized me into action, even when some of those actions were not that enjoyable, the fundamental element of any leadership routine and plan is the leader's leadership dream. The leadership plan will only be sustainable if it's driven by the leader's personal purpose, a deep and profound sense of why he or she is there and an understanding of the legacy that he or she wants to leave behind. What other design principles should underpin a sound leadership routine? After more than two decades of leading, observing and working with other leaders, I believe it comes down to these three practices. Number one, know yourself. Number two, know your audience. Number three, find the story in your message. I believe that these three practices are what leaders need to do to create a future co which emphasizes more play, less work, more trust, less compliance, more love, less money, more focus on strengths, less on weaknesses, more tracking of progress, less measurement of numbers, and where theory is finally put into practice.